Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. Well, we do want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Perhaps you're listening on our podcast. It's great to have you with us. Hope Covenant, would you welcome our online viewers and listeners? It's an honor to have you with us. And we say it every week. I'll say it again. If you're ever in the Charlotte area, we want to encourage you to stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Won't we, Hope Covenant? Awesome. This is part four of the series, The Life of Jesus. How many of you have been loving this series? And then listen, if you missed a few weeks, I want to encourage you, uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcast, um, we're on Google's Podcast, whatever that's called, I don't do that one, but we're on all of those, and so um, I want to encourage you to, to catch up if you would, if you missed any of this. Last week was amazing. Um, I'm going to go over just a recap real quick and then get into this week, which is called Table Talk, and I'll explain that title in a minute, but we did, we started this series, we launched it with the triumphal entry in Jerusalem. This is where Jesus came in. You probably know this as Palm Sunday, and they, they worshiped him as he came in. Then we did Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Then Tuesday, this was last week, we did the, the when Jesus taught on the Mount of Olives. And man, we, we did like a sort of a high-level view of that, and that was a really amazing revelation in that. Wednesday, and this is today, Jesus rested in Bethany but there's not a whole lot of scripture to support what happened, so I'm coupling that with Thursday, which we're going to focus on today as well, the Last Supper. That's where the emphasis will really be, the Last Supper. Then we've got next week will be Friday, the crucifixion, and I'm going to also couple that with Saturday when Jesus was in the grave. And this was a season of a lot of waiting and warring. How many of you feel like we're in a season of waiting and warring, and you're like, when's the break you're going to come? Can I get an amen from anybody who's walking through that right now? So you'll be able to relate next week to that. Um, a lot of people were discouraged. A lot of people were afraid. Jesus had had died on the cross. And so this, this waiting period we kind of freaked everybody out. And so we're going to talk about that. And then how many of you know, though, the next day, after three days, he rose and there was a resurrection, and we'll do that on Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you with this. We're going to get some signs. I don't know if they'll be here next week, um, but we're going to get some signs about joining us for Easter Sunday and put them around town. Um, I've already got an order in for that, so uh, we'll get them here. But I want to encourage you to invite somebody that you know that does not know Jesus somebody that maybe has fallen away from Jesus, and bring them on Easter Sunday because we're going to talk about and I believe even demonstrate the resurrection power of Jesus in this room as we worship and as we go for it. So uh, everybody say this, I will, I will. Try, to try to invite. No, 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 actually I'm going to reword that. I will, I will. Invite. invite. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. That's your pastor just asking you to go ahead and do that. Anyway, going back to the series, uh, today is Table Talk, and this is the Last Supper. I'm not going to put a whole lot of emphasis on the actual supper itself, but this is really a conversation that I want to put some emphasis on that happened right after 
they did this last supper together. And so I've told you before that the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's 89 chapters total. And a third, literally 29 of those chapters focus on this last week, which is the Passion Week of Jesus' life before he died on the cross. And so that's why we did this series. And so on Wednesday, Jesus rested and we don't have a lot of scripture to support that, so let's skip right on into Thursday, and let's journey together on Thursday. I actually want to kind of make this almost an interactive experience where we're, we're doing this with Jesus, and we're going to ask some questions that I believe he's not only asking the disciples then, but I believe that he would ask us here as his disciples today. So Thursday is when Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, and Today at the end of service, we're going to do communion, we're going to receive communion, and I believe it's appropriate that we do that on a day where we talk about this last supper where Jesus said to remember him. So to set up today's message with some picture context, after the last supper, Jesus had a conversation with the disciples that I want to dig into. After, the, after that, uh, uh, that meal that he did, there was this after-dinner conversation that he had Jesus went down to the Garden of Gethsemane, which was only a few hundred yards away from the location where they had this Last Supper conversation. Right after they did that, there was a, there was a valley called the Mount of Olives where we talked about uh, last week. And at the bottom was the Garden of Olive Trees called this Garden of Gethsemane. And out of four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of John, John was the only one that kind of focused on this conversation that happened after the Last Supper. So you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't focus on that. John decided, this is of importance, I want to mention this. So the book of John has 21 chapters, and, and five out of those chapters are all about this dinner conversation that I'm going to focus on. Now, anybody who knows Liz and I, in fact, I would dare say half this church is probably here because Liz and I met you at a restaurant and had a table conversation. Liz and I are professional restauranters. How many of you are here because we met you at a restaurant or we had a conference? Yes, you guys. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Waitresses at 131 Main. Can we give a clap offering for 131 Main up in this place? I, I, listen, they should be giving me like free rides for the marketing I give them. How many of y'all have eaten with Liz and I at 131 Main in this room? Okay, yeah, like every hand in this room. Yeah. So, listen, we don't do football, we don't do soccer, we don't do baseball, but we eat. That's what we do. Italian, what up? We eat. That's why I'm on a diet. <laughs> so, so but, but listen, not today, okay? My inner fat boy is all about this message, table talk. But listen, we love that. We love digging into deep conversation. And, you know, John Maxwell, I, I've, I've followed him for years, and I went through his 21 Laws of Leadership. My dad made me do it when I was young. I, I hated it in the moment, but I love it now because now I have all this leadership stuff. Um, but John Maxwell talks about when he goes out to eat, he always has a list of questions that are thought-provoking, and they're different depending on who he's eating with. And he's probably one of the best that I've seen actually even talk about this, where it's like thought-provoking life conversations. And how many of you know that when we do life together and we, have, we commune together, it means communion, not necessarily grape juice and bread, but we're, we're having community together. That's really godly, and, and we're designed to be relational people. And Jesus did that with his disciples. And what amazes me about this is Jesus did this with, with his disciples the day before he knew he was going to be crucified. 
So he's, he's chilling and he's reclining with his disciples, having this casual conversation, knowing what's coming the next day. He knew that. And, and so could you imagine the stress of knowing you're, you're going to be put to death the next day? So I entitled this message, Table Talk, as we look at this conversation that Jesus had with the disciples right after the Last Supper. And I, I want you to, to, to focus in on this. Did you know that Jesus actually invites us to the table? We're invited to the table to commune with him. And that's why we're going to do communion today. Jesus wants to communicate. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. And I dare say this, if you're in a position where you're experiencing anxiety and you're experiencing stress and you're experiencing constantly being overwhelmed, maybe it's a health situation, maybe it's a disappointment, maybe it's, it's you're dreading, I don't want one more disappointment in my life. Can I tell you that when you hang out with Jesus, there's, there's an amazing thing that happens where you can open up the floodgates of honesty with God and just commune with him and pour it out to him. And how many of you know he loves you? And he wants to help you. He wants to rescue you. If you've come with needs and you've come with anxiety, you've come, you're overwhelmed, you need direction, what you need to do is spend time with Jesus and hang out with him because it's amazing what happens in his presence. That is something we say almost every service at Hope Covenant and it never gets old because it really is the answer. But I want you to imagine Jesus invites you to this dinner conversation that he's having with the disciples. Jesus knows his life is about to end in a few hours, and he's sharing some things that are near and dear to him. He's, he's super relational, and the Bible says they were actually reclining during this conversation, so I picture their heels are kicked up, and they're just hanging out. It's a, it's, I feel all the feels when I, when I read about this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus starts a series of five topics over five chapters in John during this table talk, and I want to give you five topics, and I, I want to ask you five table questions today, if that's okay. What would Jesus say to you if he could have dinner with you? So we'll go over what he said to the disciples, but I want you to personify this, because how many of you know we are disciples of Jesus? We're longing to look like this guy, so I want you to ask yourself these questions. So we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want you to understand that Jesus is in the room with us right now, even though you can't see him. He's in the room with us right now. His presence is here. We just worship. We just experienced that. So Father, we just invite you in the room right now. And as we ask ourselves these five table topics, these table questions, we want to invite you to speak to us personally, God. We open our ears and we open our hearts and we ask you to speak in Jesus' name that there would be deep revelation, that we would not just hear words, but that we would leave changed and encounter you in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John 13, verse 1 to 5. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. What sticks out to me here is that Jesus had all this pressure that was on him. He knew it was coming, but he still made time for the disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew he was coming, and he knew he was about to leave. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped 
a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I want you to picture this because I know that's kind of easy to tell the story, but I want you to picture what the disciples are feeling. So Jesus does the lowliest of the lowliest of the lowliest of jobs, which was a foot washer back in the day. They would walk around in their jandals, like Jesus sandals, whatever they were, you know, their tevas. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying to put it in context of today, babe. So, you know, their tevas, whatever it is, I, whatever you want to you picture there, the Birkenstocks. So their feet would get dusty on these roads. And so Jesus goes down and, and Peter's like, you are not washing my feet. What does Jesus say to Peter? He says, listen, if you want to hang with me, you have to let me do this. If you want to be a part of my tribe, you have to let me do this because there was something Jesus was trying to communicate. There's, Jesus did things that were very intentional, and there was a deep meaning behind all the things he did in this last week. There's so much revelation in this. It's so much deeper than just the act in and of itself. What Jesus was demonstrating was tremendous servanthood and humility, that we've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords that's literally washing the feet of his disciples. I was taught this in leadership that pyramidal leadership is when you picture a pyramid and you've got the leader up top and you've got you know the, the, maybe the assistant pastors if you were to talk about a church and then you've got you know your deacons and your elders, and then you've got the people that come into the church. You've got your lay people, people that come into the church. Well, the, the ministry style of Jesus is you put the leader up top. Now, flip that pyramid around. The leader is at the bottom getting to serve everybody. So the higher the calling, the bigger the servanthood. You picturing that? And Jesus demonstrated that reverse pyramidal leadership that I'm going to put myself at the bottom where I'm at the lowliest of the low that I get to serve. As Jesus cranks up the call in your life, what he's really cranking up is your servanthood. And the more you serve is the more he will steward you opportunities in the future. But the minute you get arrogant and you get full of yourself, it says that pride comes before a fall. And Jesus was demonstrating that right here. So here's where the convo started in John 13, 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returns to, the, his, to his place. And he says this, Jesus says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. So there's the commission right there. You should serve. Everybody say serve. serve. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done. So I love this about Jesus. Not do as I say, but not as I do, but do as I do. I love that about Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Does that sound like a clause? You will be blessed if you serve, is what he's saying there. You'll be blessed. Oh, sure, you'll be blessed. But go out and serve. So topic one, and I'll ask a table question with this, is your highest calling, topic one, in life is to serve others. That's your highest calling, is to serve others. 
I believe that Jesus would ask us, what are you doing to serve others if he was here this morning? If he sat at the table around us and had a conversation, what are you doing intentionally to go out and reach a community? Liz and I, last night, we went. My cousin actually got a job at a restaurant right back here in this neighborhood. So we went to visit him last night and have some, some community with him. And I was looking around at this neighborhood next door, and I went, do they even know that we're here as a church? Like, we're, they're right here. They're right here, and, and it's funny because that restaurant was packed. They had more people in that restaurant than we've ever had in this church, and I went, we have a problem. We have a problem where, where we need to let the community know we're here. How does that happen? It happens when everybody in this church that's sitting here understands. Everybody say, I am a leader. Right, so we need to start leading because to whom much is given, much is required. So I believe that Jesus would ask us, what are you doing to serve others? And I believe that he would tell us about the joy that comes from serving others. I believe he would tell us that. So we all need to find a need and find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and fill it and find a hurt and heal it. So here's the table question. What could I do this week? Not next week, not the week after. What could I do this week to intentionally serve someone else? It amazes me that in this next passage of scripture where the disciples are all discouraged, Jesus, who is the one who's getting ready to face death, doesn't have a pity party for himself, but instead he focuses on the disciples. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the one that's getting ready to face death, yet he's worried about everybody else. John 14, verse 1 to 3, he says this. So imagine this. Just imagine. Wrap your head around this. He's getting ready to face death, but he's saying, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Like, he's concerned about how they feel. You believe in God, but also believe in me. And notice what Jesus says next. If you're discouraged, check this out today. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So the disciples are discouraged, and what Jesus does is... They give Jesus an earthly problem. They're, they're upset about what's going to happen. Jesus is filling them in, and he gives them a heavenly solution. So if you're here on earth and you have an earthly problem, I want to say this. There is a heavenly solution. It ends well for us. See, we're so focused on the earthly, but we need to get an eternal mindset to know this is just a fire drill for something so much greater. Listen, this life, and I'm learning this more and more the older I get, it's but a breath, meaning <gasps> that was quick. It's over. It's like this is just this is a hundred-year period if you live to be really old. A hundred-year at like a best. What is the oldest person? Whatever that is, 115. I don't know how old anybody's lived to be, but we've got about a hundred-year time frame that our body lives here on earth, and it goes like that. So some of us have wrong expectations of earth, and we're putting too much time and too much stock here on earth. We need to start investing in, in the kingdom and in heaven, and that happens through servanthood. And it's amazing, I'll say this, that when we serve others, how God tends to fix our skewed perspective of our own issues. When you get your eyes off of you and you get your eyes on others, man, the burden lifts. Earth is temporary, and Jesus is focused on the eternal, not the temporal. So verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Can I get a shout of praise for Jesus right there? In other words, I'm going to rescue you out of all this. 
You having a bad day? Get an eternal perspective. It ain't no thing but a chicken wing. We're going to get through this. Topic two, when earth gets hard, focus on heaven. It leads right into it. (laughs) Listen to these statements right here, and they're going to be on the screen. If I know God, earth is as close to hell as I'll ever get. It only gets better from here. Can I get an amen? But check this out. If I don't know God, earth is as close to heaven as I'll ever get. It only gets worse from here. Do you see why I would be concerned about the neighborhood right next door? Do you see why I'd be concerned about all the people that are around? Because we know Jesus, but we have to introduce a lost and dying world to the same person that we know so they can have the same rescue mission that we have. And if that doesn't concern you, you need to get into the presence of God so you get the burden of his heart. So here's table question number two. Who do I know that needs encouragement? I'll say this. Who do you know that needs Jesus? So Jesus said in John 15, verse 4 to 5, remain in me. Also, I'm sorry, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is referring to division and things that separate us from him. And he's saying, stay connected to me. Stay in my presence. That's what Jesus is communicating right there. Jesus wants us to be a fruit-bearing people. He wants us to go out and reach others. And listen, we all have a platform. We all have an an ear with people. Use the platform that God's given you and the, the influence that you have with others and use it for Jesus. Amen? We aren't alive to survive. We're alive to make a difference. So if you're just, I, I hate when people are, how you doing? Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting by. I'm okay. I'm surviving. You weren't destined to survive you were destined to thrive and impact others and do something with what god's given you if you aren't experiencing joy get into the presence of the lord because it ain't your joy it's the joy of the lord that's your strength i'm preaching better than y'all are amen and you guys need to get excited this morning john 15 verse 8 this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples showing yourselves to be my disciples so topic three We can do more together than we can apart. We need to make constant fellowship a priority. So guys, what does that mean? It means when we live here, leave here, not live here, when we leave here, find somebody that wants to go grab lunch and invite them out to lunch and do life together. Fellowship. Have a party. Get to know church people. It's a good thing. We need to make church a weekly commitment and a weekly priority. I'll tell you, you guys are doing amazing with this as a church, but it's amazing what happens when we make the house of God a priority. And when people drive by and they see this parking lot full of cars, they're going to go, what's going on there? Liz and I were driving on the road just a, a week ago, and I saw in the sky these lights that were kind of moving all around. And I went, what's going on over there? So we drove to the lights. We, we drove to these streams of lights that were in the sky and found out that our favorite movie theater that had closed down through COVID, thank the Lord, amen, it's a, it's a dinner theater place right off of Exit 26 on Prosperity, and uh, they're back open again. And so they're advertising, and the lights are, are you know, streaming in the sky saying, hey, we're open. Guys, we need to be a light in the sky to say, hey, the church is open. That was a really good analogy, and that was not in my notes. Great job, Adam. <laughs> So we should all be reaching others and spreading the message and demonstrating the character of Jesus daily. So here's table question number three. What's your part? What part is God asking you to play in this? 
So the conversation shifted in chapter 16. Now we're getting to the good stuff, and we're almost done in case you're wondering if the rapture would come before I'm finished. Chapter 16, Jesus is talking about serving and encouraging and and producing and being productive for kingdom's sake. But most of all, he talked about the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, that this is the vision of this church. We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's three in one. It's like an egg. You got the shell. You got the, the white part. And then you got the yolk. That's the, that was, when I was a kid, that was always the illustration that was given. But it's one egg. So you got this trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You got your whole egg right there. But it's one egg. So it's one unit. And I love Holy Spirit because this is the God that talks to us and convicts us. This is, this is the, the feeler part of us knowing that he's really here. And it's, it's, the, it's the conviction, it's what speaks to us that says, hey, this is right, and this is wrong, and, and, and this, is, this is the voice of God that's communicated through the Holy Spirit. And so as a church, and Liz and I are infatuated with the Holy Spirit, because this is where encounter comes in, that you don't just hear about God, but you actually encounter and experience with his love. Because God is love. Not God is hate, God is love. So I'll start with this statement that Jesus said in John 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I love that word, advocate. He will give you an advocate that will actually be there advocating for you. Man, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Holy Spirit. It comes from Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. See, the world is blind to the Holy Spirit, which is why you need to carry the presence and be that light that's swirling in the movie theater parking lot that they go, what's that? Why is Liz so happy when she just had a miscarriage? Why is she so happy? Because she got the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit is something that she has, and it's the joy of the Lord that's her strength. So when you lose your job and you're like, even if it's plastic and you're walking by faith, carry the joy of the Lord because it's nothing for God. Don't worry about it. God's got this. So we've got to talk less about the Holy Spirit and demonstrate him more. I believe in this end times, this world that's so dark right now, that's so full of depression and bad. I flipped on the news for five minutes this morning. I do it every Sunday to make sure I'm like up on current events before I come in here, that I'm aware of anything we would need to pray about. And it's so depressing and it's so dark. And I thought to myself, man, we've got to demonstrate the Holy Spirit and the light because how many of you know that the darker it gets, the more opportunity for a light which overcomes darkness to really shine. We got to wait till it's nighttime to turn the lights on for you to see the light, right? Well, guess what? It's nighttime. Time to shine bright, church. It's time. I hear the calling. It's time. The reason Jesus wants us to be constant in communication with the Holy Spirit is for this reason, and this is why you can't afford to be distant from the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 1, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. You go, I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with that addiction. What's, what's the answer? I, I don't know. Is it over for me? Absolutely not. Press into the Holy Spirit so that you won't fall away again. 
See, the beauty of when we're in sin is God gives us the opportunity, which is why we as the church need to afford grace towards others because we had grace given to us. It was done by Jesus dying on the cross, which we're going to talk about next week. And I wonder oftentimes why the church is not as gracious as Jesus when we're supposed to be demonstrating the character of Jesus. You know, when somebody messes up, and I'm, this, I'm going to go off the notes for a second because I feel the anointing to do this. If I spill paint right here, and the bucket of just picture one of those gallon jugs of paint. I'm not a painter, but I know this because I've got paint in my house, and I try. Liz, I try. I know we need to hire the painter, but I try. So I knock over a gallon bucket of paint, and there's a little paint right here. And, but there's still paint in the bucket. It's just sort of spilling out. If I were to take that spilling bucket of paint that Liz knocks over while Liz is painting, and I just take the whole thing and just dump the whole thing, well, why not just dump the whole thing out? And I make an even bigger mess. Liz is going to look at me, and she's probably going to slap me. That's what we do as the church oftentimes when we some, see somebody who's in sin. We go, well, why not just spread, you know, why not just gossip about that? Why not just talk about that? Why not just beat on that person? When the Bible says that love covers, so what you do or what you should do, if you're truly a believer in Jesus, is take that paint and immediately start scooping it back into that gallon bucket. And I've seen pastors handle this wrong, where they call somebody out in the front and they start rebuking them in the name of Jesus. And I think that is ungodly because the Bible says love covers, doesn't say love publicly rebukes. And I don't believe it's godly. I really don't. We need to change our method, y'all, as Christians. Each of us need to ask ourselves, am I contributing to this spirit that is honestly not a godly one? It's not love covers. That's an amen or oh, oh shoot. The Greek word scandalesco means to fall away. It's where we get the word scandal from. And here's how the Holy Spirit works. In John 16, verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Holy Spirit will keep us on the right path, even speak to us about the future. I love that. He'll, he'll keep us on the right path. He'll keep us from doing wrong. And he'll speak to us about the future. He'll, he'll speak to you. You might be, we call this a lot of times intuition, like, oh, I just don't feel right about that. And we'll see something happen and we'll go, what was that? That was Holy Spirit. It wasn't your intuition. It was the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. John 16, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So topic four, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. We've often taught about, you know, again, uh, conscience or intuition. It's not the conscience. It's not your conscience. It's Holy Spirit. And you need to be conscious of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's voice is only as loud as my willingness to listen. I've said it before that whispers are hold, heard in, in, in close proximity. So get close to the Holy Spirit. There was an old book written by a gentleman by the name of Benny Hinn that said, Welcome, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, I think it was, right? And it was, it was an amazing book about welcoming Holy Spirit. Whether you agree or disagree with some things in Benny Hinn's life, that book was amazing. So we need to make time for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And table question four is what has Holy Spirit been trying to say to you that maybe you're not listening and that's why you're not hearing?
And that needs to convict you. Because Holy Spirit will speak some deep, deep, deep things to you if you listen. Jesus was constantly praying, and I believe Jesus was here to instruct us about what to do. If Jesus was here to instruct us about what to do, he'd say, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about every burden. Pray about every care. Pray about every weight. Pray about everything. If prayer makes the difference, why don't we do it more often? Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. It's a table question number five. I'm going to wrap up with this one as the music plays in the background. What do you need to give God in prayer today? What's going on in your life that's weighing you down, that's distracting you, that you need to give to God in prayer and leave your burden there and say, Lord, I need you. In this moment, I need you. So I want every eye in this place closed. We're going to receive communion in just a minute. If you guys would go ahead and, and hand that out, the elements. Patrick, maybe you can help over here on this side. Thank you so much for that. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort, because we need communion. We need fellowship with God. You know, prayer isn't just about submitting your needs. It's about fellowshipping with God. Can I ask you, when was the last time you spent time in the presence of the Lord and just hung out with God and just said, Lord, I love you, and just worship the Lord? So as soon as these elements are out, I want every eye closed, and I want you to do this. I want you to just breathe in, take a deep breath, breathe in, and breathe out. And just welcome the Lord's peace over you this morning. Because there's something so amazing about going, God, you've got this. I'm just going to leave this in your hands. I'm just going to wait on you. You open every door that needs to be opened. You close every door that needs to be closed. But I trust you. And I leave my anxiety and worry, which is sin anyway, at your feet. And I trust you. Maybe some of you need to repent for worry. Maybe you're worried about things and you're, you're so angst and, and ramped up about, you're, you're so ramped up about this. It's like you, you drank a Red Bull of worry and your heart's going. And you're like, I don't know what to do. My blood pressure's up. What do I do, God? He's saying, spend time in my presence and get my peace. So let the Holy Spirit wash over you today that no matter what your burden, no matter what your anxiety, no matter what the depression, you start communing with Holy Spirit and give it to Him. And I break that anxiety and that depression in the name of Jesus. I want to ask each of you, how many of you have had a burden that it, it's so big in your mind and it's so stressful and it's, it's been all-encompassing and it's literally arrested your mind? How many of you have had that? There's, there's, you've literally been arrested with anxiety. You've been arrested, maybe you've been arrested with guilt and shame. Just put your hand up right, real quick. I declare, I take authority right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, in Jesus' name, I take authority over anything that would try to hold me hostage. And I declare, in the name of Jesus, your power, your spirit, your authority. And I tell you right now, anxiety, depression, go in the name of Jesus. And I declare your peace, your joy, and your spirit in Jesus' name. Would you give God a shout of praise this morning? He's so good. Listen, I really believe some things are shifting in this place this morning. If you're watching on the podcast, I really believe some things are, or listening in the podcast, I, I really believe some things are shifting. 
I believe that. And I believe that, that there's an anointing that God is going to right the wrongs. The things, maybe some of you feel wrong, maybe you've been wronged, maybe you are wrong. But God can fix it like that when we leave it at the cross and we repent and we ask him to wash us and cleanse us. How many of you know when we forgive, we forget? Because that's what he did. There's so much power with the cross. We're going to talk about it again next week. I love you all. Thank you for being here. If anybody needs prayer, Liz and I are here. We'll gladly pray with you. And uh, I believe that there's some amazing things that happen. Can we give, just give God a shout of praise? You guys are dismissed. Thank you for coming. Come back next week. Good things. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.